This program is sponsored by Proponacy, where I'm the president and CEO. Proponacy is the Greek word for coaching. We provide SaaS technology to centers like yours. Most contact centers struggle with their people, whether it be overcoming monotony, attrition, or getting superior performance. Our solution makes it easier and cost-effective to get even more than you could possibly have expected from your front line. The result is loyal customers, engaged employees, and winning, provable, profitable results. You can reach us at Proponacy.com. You are being forwarded to the contact center coach. You can see it everywhere. It, it, it's so plain to see, whether you're in a mall or in a restaurant or walking past a school or really anywhere where you see parents and kids. There are really two types. There's kids that are under control and there are kids that are completely out of control. And it, it's so obvious when you when you look at the kids and the way that they behave, especially in restaurants, it's a reflection of the parents. It's a reflection of the parents and how they parent their kids. And when you watch them, you can see the parents that have taken the time to discipline, to install manners, social responsibility, respect for their leaders, for teachers, for authority, how they learn and deal to play with others. You know, many parents end up doing some things that their parents did. And a lot of times, some of the best skills that parents have are things that their parents did to them that they don't want to do anymore. But every well-mannered, in-control child or kid that grows up to be a teenager and then an adult and a contributor to their community or to their work or to their church or to their neighborhood came from parents that love them smart. They love them smart by taking the time and the focus and the energy to teach them all the things that they needed to know so that they could be successful, well-mannered, young kids, junior high kids, teenage kids, and then on to adults and, and old people like me that were, were taught by our parents to act a particular way. And when I say that they love them smart, they didn't just happy bappy love them. They, they love them with an investment of their time and their energy and applying principles and values and teachings and direction and encouragement to allow them to grow and become the people that they are today. Welcome to podcast 115. Today we're going to talk about loving smart. And we're talking about loving smart in business. And I'm, I'm not saying that leaders are parents. It's business. It's not family. It's not community. It's not church. It's business. And to love smart doesn't even mean you need to like everyone or really anyone but as I said last week, they're not rental cars. The people in your contact center are the front-facing people to your customers about your products and services. It's crazy expensive to run a contact center, whether you generate or protect revenue, and my guess is, is that you probably do both. 
But loving smart is a follow-up to last week, which was loving first. I think that as we begin to unravel or unpeel this concept, you'll find out that it's your intention, but it's maybe not all the things that you're doing or could be doing in order to love smart. So let's jump right into it here. I want to go back and talk to you about something that we learned quite a while ago, which is the term valuable. Everyone talks about the fact that their employees are valuable. They're, they're very, very valuable. And, and it doesn't matter where you go, boy, you know, our, our employees are so, so valuable. Well, uh, that's great, and I, and I believe you. But I don't want our employees to be valuable. I want them to be value-able. And first, that means that I need my employees, I need the people that work for us to feel valued. I need them to feel recognized. I need them to feel a sense of purpose. I need them to understand what their part and position is in the organization. They need to know that they're important, that they're important to me, they're important to the customers, they're important to the company. But we can't stop there. We also need to make them able. We need to give them the skills and the tools necessary for them to be successful. And I really do think that this is the cornerstone of loving smart. And if you remember, it's the same thing with kids. I want my kids to feel valued. I want them to know that they're loved. I want them to know that they're safe. I want them to feel precious in God's sight. But I also want them to leave someday. So I need to make them able to go out and function in the world and be capable of dealing with other people and holding on to a job and and excelling in school and and being a contributor to society. And so this term valuable is, is a great definition of loving smart. Are your employees value able? How are you doing in both of those categories? Well, let's walk through some concepts that I think will help you look at those components. So first up is, in order to love smart, we need to be committed. We need to be committed to these people. And I keep telling you over and over again, they're not rental cars. But you know what? In this environment, many times they feel like rental cars because some people only stay a couple weeks. Some people stay a couple months. Some people stay seven months. Some people disappoint us and leave it a year. And, and so we've constantly got this issue of, well, well, I've got turnover. How much do I really commit to these people? How far do I go? Well, in order to love smart, you have to make everything better for the long run. We're looking for informed, engaged, skilled, and loyal employees. That's what we're shooting for. Because if we can make those four things happen, we're going to have people that are going to stick around for a long time. And so that means start being committed right from the start. And, and I'm talking about, about not only new hire training, but even before new hire training, we're beginning to draw these people into the organization. I'll give you a great example. What do you do between the time that you send them an acceptance letter, which means they're hired, and training? How much time are you spent pursuing them during that time while they're just sitting there waiting? Do you lose people in that time? Well, if you're committed to the long run, I need to be committed from the moment that we take them on. And I would also say that I even think that affects the way that you hire them and the way that you talk about hiring them and the things that you share with them that express them and get them to recognize the fact that you're in it for the long run. Because if you're in it for the long run, then they'll notice it, they'll understand it, they'll appreciate it, and they'll begin to think in terms of the long run. You know, and when you're planning for the long term, this happens well after new hiring. I mean, when you're talking to your employees, you need to be talking about things that are far out whether they're your new hires that come to you in March and you're talking about Halloween or you're talking about the Christmas party 
or you're talking about a year-end bonus that's going to happen in January. I mean, those are things that are so far outside of a new hire's perspective, but they show a long-term. It begins to get them to be comfortable with what's going to happen later on. It begins to give them a vision, a perspective of what they're going to do later on in your organization. And later on is what it's really all about, especially with people that we want to keep around. We want them to be there later on. It's also okay to acknowledge the fact that people do come and go, that it doesn't fit for everyone. And what those people that are leaving are going to miss. Because you're going to have to talk about the fact that, hey, listen, some people, you know, get really, really stressed at 90 days. And and it's real tough for them. And and we lose people at 90 days, but, but I don't want you to leave at 90. I want you to recognize the fact that every single person that's in this building stayed here over 90 days. And when they broke through, when they were able to achieve some success, when something that seemed so complicated and impossible to overcome all of a sudden became easy. And when they started to get feedback from their customers and they started to make a difference and they changed somebody's life and somebody said, wow, I'm so grateful for your help. And they recognized that that didn't just happen once. It happened over and over and over again. And they begin to, to ease into and begin to understand just how great the job can be. When we do that, when we talk about the fact that people come and go, we begin to get them to understand that that, that that is a reality, but that doesn't have to be them. And then we constantly, if we really are in it for the long run, we really do need to be participating in their future. In order to participate in their future, we need to know what it is. You know what? Maybe somebody will tell you, hey, listen, I want to be president of the United States, or I want to be an actor or an actress, or I want to run marketing or engineering or whatever it may be. You know, you participating in their future and coming alongside them and buying into it and helping them invest in their future by being with you, being the very best they can be at your company, at our company at the particular time when they're with you, and then working through that with them for whatever the length of the time is that they, they come. So the second way that you love SMART is you have to be very purposeful about your responsiveness. Speed counts. You've heard me say over and over and over again that I I learned this from my daughter's dance teacher, that if you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, if you're on time, you're late. And if you're late, you're history. Be early in everything. Be early in everything. I'll give you an an example with my company. We've made a decision with our customers to be the most responsive vendor that they have. And I'd be willing to bet that if you called any of my clients and asked them, is Proponacy a wildly responsive company? When, when they ask us to do something, do we do it? And, and the answer will be yes. And we may be overly responsive, but we've decided that we're going to be early and often. We're going to be very, very responsive. Your attention, your focus, your ear matters. Even if it's bad, you need to be early in the way that you communicate with them, early in listening what's going on. Let me give you some examples of where you need to be early even when it's bad. If you're changing their compensation and it's not their fault, tell them. Tell them early. Tell them once you know. Tell them when they mess up early. When they have a problem, when they have an issue, when they don't do something right, tell them early. Don't tell them late. Tell them early enough so that it maybe only happens once or that you can turn around and they can make a change to it. Telling them Bad news that's going to happen. The system's going to go down. We're not going to have enough people here. The earlier that you tell them that, the more that they begin to feel safe because they begin to trust you because they know you're going to tell them the things they need to know. They're never going to be in the dark. You know, communicating to your front line, and you know this. I, I don't have to tell you this. You know how important it is. But, but 
the real answer is communicating everything and making sure that you've got a transparent environment where they know that you're going to tell them the good and the bad because you're going to treat them like an adult, you're going to treat them professionally, and you're going to let them in on what's going on. And then you need to tell them when they do good early, not late, not after a while, not after it piles up. You need to tell them when they do good early. When you're responding to something going on with their career, you need to do that early. You need to give them, you need to help them with their improvements early. Everything needs to be early, quick, responsive, on top of things. Why? Because it's purposeful and it shows that you care. When somebody responds quickly to you, you go, wow, I'm important. They, they went out of their way to make sure that I knew something or they did something for me or they shared something with me. And even when you share something with them that, that's not good, that may be something they've done poorly or they've done wrong or they need to change or that falls short of the goals and expectations that you have, do it early because it shows that you're honest with them. It shows that you care and it also shows that you're in it for the long run because why would you discipline someone if you didn't intend for them to stick around? Why would you share with them ways that they can improve without a desire for them to stick around? And, and that again goes to being in an environment where you've invested in them in the long run. The third thing that you need to do, and, and I think maybe the most important thing that you need to do, is that if you want to love somebody smart, you need to invest in their leadership. Make their leaders, at whatever level it is, great, awesome, amazing. Are the leaders of your people great, awesome, and amazing? I, I say this all the time. I've yet to have anybody call me up or connect with me or send me an email and say, hey, come interview my leaders because I tell you what, we, we've got it knocked. We've, we've got it covered. I'm, I'm open. I'll travel. I'll travel. I'll come see it. Come share with me. Come show me your great leaders. And by the way, I, I, I would be inspired if it's the case because I can learn from it and it'd be something I might be able to turn around and share as well. Your commitment to people, loving people smart, starts with having great leaders. People can tell if you've invested in their leaders. They can tell. There's nothing worse than a joke for a boss or a leader. Are you investing in your leaders? Are you giving them the skills and tools necessary for them to be successful? And are you doing it quickly? Are you even over-investing in them to the point where, where it's like, whoa, man, we, we've just got spectacular people. I say this over and over and over again as well. Are people stealing your leaders? If they're not stealing your leaders, you're not there yet. Well, why do I want to make them too good? Because they might turn around and steal my folks. Well, you know what? If you make them too good, the performance levels that you're going to get are going to be extraordinary. Just add up how much time you spend with your leaders coaching and how many times you say over the course of the year, you know what? If we just had a little bit more time for coaching, you know, we, we need to find a way to get more coaching. Hey, let's sit down and look at what all our leaders are doing so we can free up some time so they can do some more coaching. You say it all the time. Add up that amount of money. At least know how much money you're spending, and it is probably millions, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. And if you're really big, it could be tens of millions of dollars that you're spending with your folks coaching. How great are they? You sure you can't invest more in them? Sure you can't invest more money in making them better? Isn't that not a smart thing to do? Are the leaders of your frontline employees, are, are, are they a joke? And, and I know and recognize the fact that when we bring on leaders, sometimes we go ahead and promote the really great frontline people that we have. And that, that's fabulous. And you need that. That's important because you need to have growth. You need to have career path. That's one of the ways that you keep people around for a longer time in your organization. That is loving smart. But we've got to start early. We've got to, we've got to train them well. We've got to coach them well. We have to give them the tools capable of getting it done. And then finally, 
if we want to love them smart, we need to be invested in their well-being. Can't just stop with the skills and the tools, because one of the tools they have to do is they have to have health. So food, exercise, mental health. Where are you on that? If, if I were to walk into your cafeterias is it, is, or your vending machines, are, are they filled with junk? You may say, yes, they are, which maybe that's okay, but, but there better be some stuff in there that's not junk. There better be some healthy alternatives in there and some healthy opportunities for them to get it. Is everybody just jazzed up on Coca-Cola and energy drinks or do we have sparkling water and are we, are we finding some healthy energy drinks? Are we doing some things to help people and take care of their well-being? What, what, what about their mental well-being? Do you have quiet rooms and quiet spaces? Are they legitimate? Do they have time to get to those quiet rooms and quiet spaces? They have the right kind of headset and the right kind of chairs and those kind of things that make a difference. I'm not talking about their desk. Their desk can be disastrous. Desk doesn't have to look that good. But their chair better be spectacular and their headset better be spectacular. And obviously their desktop and their computer and, and the tools that they use, everything we can do in that area also helps as well. Do you encourage them to exercise? Do you have exercise teams? Do you have an exercise track somewhere in your center? Hey, three times around here gets you to a quarter of a mile. You can do this in your break. You encourage people to walk around and and, and not only just go and sit down, but to actually move around. Maybe you've got a parking lot that's a long way away. And if it is, that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's actually a good thing because it requires them to walk to and from it, which gives them some exercise. Maybe it requires you to put some umbrellas out or to create something when the weather's bad. But having a parking lot that's pretty far away and having people walk from it and maybe letting them know, hey, listen, if you're in the back row, you just walked a quarter of a mile today. So maybe you should park in the back row. That's a good place to be. There's so many different ways that you can invest in their health. And while I'm at this, what's your health like? Because it's really hard to encourage somebody to make healthy decisions when you're not making healthy decisions as well. If you want to love them smart, be smart yourself. You know, you also can help them with their well-being and and encourage them, whether it's in a PIP or if you're going to have a tough meeting, tell them they don't have to stress. Tell them that that we're going to discuss things that are important, but they don't have to stress about them because there's a plan to fix them if they really want to fix them. Same way with conflict. If you have conflict, deal with it, but then get over it. Get rid of your bad apples. Get rid of your bad leaders. Get rid of your bad technology. Get rid of stuff that's not helping you love people smart. You know, we love people also smart with our tools and our technology and and the team, right? There's so many different ways that we love smart. Do you love smart? Do the people that work for you love smart? Would you say that you're smart when it comes to how you address and how you deal with your people? Are are you loving them smart with their well-being? Do you love them smart and invest in their leadership? Are you purposeful about responsiveness? And are you committed to them for the long term? You know, I said that you can see it when you pass people in a restaurant or you watch kids and and you watch what they've done. And, And that doesn't mean that great parents don't end up having bad kids or there are some kids that are unruly that don't work out in the same way that we'll have people that, that don't fit, but culture, system, style, purpose, commitment, they all matter. Loving smart matters. It's smart. It's a good return. It's the right way to conduct business, especially in a contact center. We're in a very difficult business. If you don't walk into the office thinking, how can I get smarter? 
if you're not surrounding yourself with vendors and people that work for you that are smart, if you're not pursuing smart ideas or different ways to go about things or, or new concepts or ways to get better, to either have better performance, hold on to your employees longer, get better customer satisfaction results, whatever they are, if you're not pursuing smart, you won't be successful. So why don't you start with loving smart? I tell you over and over again that you can be a great leader. It just requires hard work and a lot of effort and a lot of focus. It also requires most times for you to bring somebody alongside you, which is a mentor. Do you have one? You should. Are you being a mentor for somebody else? You should be. I don't know how many times I've said this. I hope you have one by now. If you don't, it's never too late. You can do it today. You can start looking for one today. You can be one tomorrow. Why don't you go ahead and do that. Listen, last week we talked about loving first. This week we talked about loving smart. Next week we're going to talk about loving the success. So next week I'm going to share with you what loving first and loving smart can actually do for you and give you, give you some examples. If there's anything I can do for you, please let me know. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye now. You are being forwarded to the contact center coach.